Okay, if you listened to yesterday's program, we had a a little bit of a post-production error in the second half where the music was too loud. Hey, we're in a rush to get the show done after being gone for a few days. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. Normally when I put a program together, I try to be a little bit more cautious, especially in the what's called down mix. And somehow I got distracted, made a mistake, and the music got too loud. Never heard it, never noticed it until I heard the program air uh, much later. Too late to change it by that point. So so my apologies. I will try to do better. It's one of the issues with a program like this. It At the right now, it's a one-man show. It's just me. I research it. I produce it. I do the mix down. I try to get it ready and sent out to the places that have got to have it by a certain time. And I also have to remember that some programs have got to be there for the weekend version even earlier. So a lot has been on my plate this past week as I prepared uh, last week to to leave for three days to head to Virginia and then try to recoup from a very exciting trip when I got back and then uh, try to get back in the mold of, of getting shows done in a hurry, virtually in some cases same day trying to get the program ready to go. Just a lot on our plates, just a lot to talk about. Yesterday, yesterday we had a, a time that, I don't know, I never thought about getting into what I talked about, and I'm not going to get into it today. I promise. I, I didn't want to get into what I call the Corona number factory, uh, which seems to be an issue. Uh, just suffice it to say, they keep telling us about infections, but the other numbers seem to remain flat. And so you make your own decision on what that means. And I don't think it's because we've done all this wonderful social distancing and wearing filthy face masks have been the solution. If you think it is, I'm sorry. I mean, I can't see that being even slightly legitimate. And I'll bet you come the 4th of November, mm, things may begin to change. We'll see. I want to get into the topic I really wanted to start yesterday, so I'll start it today. That is, where do we go to find our entertainment, to find some information, to share thoughts and ideas, to stay connected? And I told you yesterday how Facebook manipulated the world. So of other groups, but Facebook in particular. And even Google. Let's go back, let's go back to like 1999, 2000. Google was just a little upstart company, and Yahoo and America Online, late 90s, early 2000s. They they were the big boy on the street. Remember? Remember being in a grocery store and anywhere you could pick up a free America online disc, load it in your computer, set up an account, and the next thing you know, you've got mail. Remember those days? And off there in the side was a little upstart company called Google. 
the ABC Corporation, with, with a philosophy of do no harm. I mean, what can go wrong with a company like that? Do no harm. Well, I'll tell you where it went to. One by one, people got tired of being bombarded with advertising from Yahoo and the other various competitors. They got tired of paying a, a fee, in some cases, to America Online. It's that simple. And so Google sat there with a, with a great strategy for taking over a big corner of the Internet market. Unlike the model that was being used by by America Online, a fee-based service loaded with advertising, or Yahoo with a bunch of little features and loaded with advertising, what did Google do? They had the most plain little screen that you've ever seen. It just had a little search bar and the word Google on top. And how many of us, myself included, decided, you know, I can get somewhere quicker without all the nonsense, all the pop-ups, and everything else that was going on with everybody else and their search engines. I'm trying to think of a number of different search engines that I played with back in the day. A handful are still barely around. A number of them are gone. Yahoo's on life support. I don't care what anybody says. They're shutting down a lot of their features. AOL, well, you know, there's still AOL mail addresses out there. CompuServe, others. Just you remember all the names that have come and gone. But what did Google do? They were smart. Google sat there and quietly, without you knowing it, gave you all kind of free stuff, but they were getting something from you that was very valuable. Data and information. How many of you have a Gmail account? I have had one since virtually day one. And it's kind of my dump to everything account. I don't use it for business. I don't use it for family. I don't use it for a lot of things anymore, except, actually I have more than one Gmail account so I can have access to YouTube and certain things that require an account. Because I know full well that Google, well, people, but they're, artificial intelligence is reading my emails to see if there's something I need to buy or someplace I'm going to. And it tries to discern what I'm doing so they can target advertising to my email and even my searches. And they're doing it to you too if you have Gmail. But see, I recognize that, and I really don't care because there's nothing I do on Gmail that I would be concerned about. I just don't care. What I write there, what I put there, very you know minimal stuff. But Google with free email, 
Remember, there were other emails out there, but they were a little bit more complicated, a little bit more restrictive. But Gmail made everything so easy. And it's free. There's no such thing as a free lunch. And everybody listening to me, if you're a listener to this program, you're probably, if you're a regular listener in particular, you understand that concept. There's no such thing as a free lunch. And so here we are. So here we are today with Google being the big giant. It didn't take but a handful of years before the dictionary added the word Googled. You know, Googled. Past tense. I Googled her name or your name or the name of that company. And it became the largest, most used search engine in the world. As it was selling your data, and by the way, they started giving us, companies like MapQuest and others came out, but Google Maps, well, they're a little bit better. And you're saying, how can they give me such wonderful free maps? I can tell you how. Do you know that Google... They sell some products and services, but not to the general public. Chances are, if you live in the United States and you live in a county with an emergency management division, they pay a lot of money to Google Maps for layered maps to show where hazardous materials are, fire hydrants, water tanks. See, that's their commercial division. And what made them so attractive to governments is all the personal information they have about you and I and where we live and how many people are in our household. Yeah, a lot of that information you didn't know Google has, they're selling back to the government. For some of you, that's some that's a bit new, isn't it? That's how they became the giant that they are. Little upstart companies like YouTube. A lot of fun back in the day. Guess what? Owned by Google. What else do you think Google owns? Another favorite of government, Google Earth. A very robust mapping system. I'm thinking of all the things that Google has. If you have an, an Android phone, you're intimately tied to Google. They have control over much of the news that you see. They've given you free storage space to hide your documents. How about that? And your pictures. So they have your pictures, too. If you're a blogger, they have one of the more robust blogging sites called Blogger, which they purchased just like they purchased good old YouTube. And they run the Play Store, all the apps that you can get for your phone. Google became a big company by giving you all kinds of free stuff. And you fell for it. I mean, you really did. You you took it hook, line, and sinker. That's how they became so big. They had a plan. A plan to get you to use them. And and listen, back in the day, 
back in the day, back in, you know, 2002, 2006, 2000, up to 2010 or so, it wasn't a such a politically biased agency or company. When you search for something, the most popular things came up. But the more they learned about you and the larger and more dependent people became upon them, they gradually started controlling and steering the information you are allowed to see. Now Google, and I compare it to other search engines, you type in something like, I hate to say it because I promise not to talk about it, but I'll just use it for an example. Anything about the coronavirus. All the top stories are in lockstep on what you are supposed to think. Where when I go to other search engines, it is basically out there in terms of information. And there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of bias one way or the other. But the Google system ranks in a certain way a certain narrative that you're supposed to hear and you're supposed to believe and embrace they do that with the way they handle news you can type in a news topic and you will get the politically correct stories on the first second third and fourth pages It takes you a long time, going down a long way, to get you any alternative viewpoint on some of the hot-button issues of today. That's just the way it is with Google. The company that said, do no harm, is harming you, free speech, our freedom, and the integrity of the press each and every day. They're doing a lot of harm. And they made their billions of dollars by selling out your information, reading your emails, looking at your pictures, and looking at where you and your phone have been today. Google knows that you went to Walmart if you had your phone with you. Google knows that you went to the doctor. Google knows everything you do every time you take that phone with you. And don't think that getting an iPhone is any different. Guess what? Apple plays that same game as well. Your information is a valuable commodity. And I know a lot of people, that's why they don't use a smartphone. They don't want to be tracked. But trust me, there are ways that we find out, and everybody finds out, and they find out. You're not that far off the grid at any given time. It's just the world we live in. And thankfully, there's so many of us. How are they going to hire so many people to keep track of so many? You can't do it. And I, I used to talk to people that thought that in this one town I lived in, they had visited the emergency operations center and they saw there were a bunch of these big screen TV sets up on the walls. And, and somebody had this mistaken idea that we had people that were going to be coming into that room and watching all the cameras around town 24-7, looking at your every move. 
Well, that's not true. I'm sorry, in good old small-town America, in a county of about 200,000, that's not how it works. We don't hire people to sit in the room to stare at every camera. Cameras are out there, and they normally have they normally have a way to record. And if something happens, they look after the fact. It's seldom, it's rare that there's somebody actually watching one of these cameras you see in real time. Unless it's a traffic camera, and they're looking to see if there's any you know, congestion, they have a big bunch of screens and your eye just happens to catch that there's a traffic jam on this road. They do that during the rush hours. But the idea that there is somebody sitting there looking at everybody doesn't work that way. It's all automated. Today, as I can tell you from firsthand experience, Good old face recognition software. It's out there. And Facebook employs it quite a bit. It seems to know when you post a picture whose name belongs to what. Have you ever noticed that? You post a picture and suddenly it knows your wife. It knows your kids. It knows knows your brother, your sister, your cousin, your mother, your your father, whatever. It knows. Face recognition software. I noticed that when I was traveling, they can look at my driver's license and scan a few documents, and they get a they can double check if it's a real driver's license or not, because it appears in their screen. There's a lot of technology in use to keep an eye on you and me. So, what does all this have to do with? other platforms and things well it's not that you can hide you know we never can fully hide but you can make yourself a target let me give you an example of what i'm talking about i saw a news story just the other day about wikipedia you've all heard about wikipedia you know you know who that is that's the great online encyclopedia that pretty well got rid of the world book and the britannica that i had as a kid access to those because see wikipedia has been up until recent times i mean really in recent times they were a largely neutral open platform community participation encyclopedia and you could find anything about anybody or anything it's being updated literally in real time if you looked up somebody who had just died, you'd find their entire their entire biography and right down to the day that they died, which happened the same day you're reading. Well, there's some changes occurring. There's some changes happening at Wikipedia. Here's what's happened. The Wikipedia website has announced that it's not going to allow Christians who openly openly display their faith in other words if you have a facebook page that has a cross and and you have all these things about your christian faith or if you hold to traditional marriage if you're pro-life whatever the case may be they really don't want you to contribute on wikipedia anymore there was a story 
that came out that a bunch of those on the extreme left got very upset when it came to light that one of the editors displayed in their user box that they believe that marriage is between one man and one woman. And as a result, after all the complaining over this issue about somebody who would dare, who would just dare to believe I mean, how can you believe that marriage is only for a man and a woman? Why can't it be a two men or two women or a man and two dogs? You know, why why can't it be a man and one of the other 62 genders that they've invented? And so Wikipedia has made the decision to pull the plug on Christians who openly express their beliefs as not to offend those on the left that are easily and eternally offended by every little thing that is decent. In other words, decency is offensive to the left. At the same time, Black Lives Matter, which is a fraudulent organization with an agenda that has very little to do with black lives. Sorry, but that's the truth. I have people from overseas that proudly display Black Lives Matters. They're from primarily the continent of Africa, and they really think it's a legitimate organization, and they get very offended when you explain to them that they want to tear down this country and turn it into a third world sewer. Because, see, Black Lives Matter, well, they're all about gay lives matter. They're all about transgender being forced upon us and everything else. If you say, you know, one man, one woman, or black lives, you know, if you say it's like saying black lives don't matter. We've come to this point that Christianity is under endless attack from the left. I can remember during the presidential campaign how how many of the candidates try to dance around that issue. They don't want to come out and say that they hate and despise Christianity. They try to pretend they're good Catholics or good this or good that or good the other, yet everything about their life is in total rejection of what they're supposed to be believing. The Bible says you know them by their fruits, not by what they say. People can say whatever they want. You know, lying comes easily for those that hate the truth. So here, we're facing the ever-increasing persecution. And it's really coming to us by the tech tyrants, the Wikipedias, the Googles, and those that control much of the, the media out there that we are so dependent upon. NBC, ABC, CBS, and their partnerships like MSNBC and others. I'm seeing something that has snuck up on us, or maybe for many of you, hopefully you're like me and you've seen it coming. I tell people, do not. I've been saying this for about quite a while. Facebook is not your friend. Facebook, just like Google, have the same same technique. It's free. And we're going to have fun. Stay connected with your family, your friends. Find old friends from high school for free. 
You don't need to go to something like classmates.com and have to pay. They're probably already on Facebook. And you can reach out and 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 talk again to one of your buddies from high school or the old high school sweetheart. People started signing up. Grandparents to see the pictures of their grandkids signed up. Churches are going, what a cool way to connect with our congregation and our community. Let's all go to Facebook. The world is now on Facebook. And the gulag and control are now beginning. Say the wrong thing on Facebook. Your account gets suspended. You can't make a posting. Say the wrong thing. Again, it gets suspended for a month. Look at Twitter. The most insane thing I've ever seen in my life. It's kind of like how to argue among yourselves for the most part. I mean, I get it when you're a presidential candidate and you got a million followers and you want to have a quick way to bypass the media. It worked for a long time. And see, now they're going to control that narrative too. They're going to tell the candidate what he can and cannot say. Which brings us to the other issue that we're going to have to reckon with at some point here in the United States. Go back to the mid-1990s when most people did not even have a home computer and most people getting online were using dial-up. Does anybody remember the horrific sound of dial-up? See, back in those days, the Internet was new and a lot of things were done to give the the idea of being online, websites and businesses and, and forums, an opportunity to, to grow and expand and become part of our everyday life. And so a lot of regulations were minimized and changed in such a way to allow that. There were like no taxes to a lot of businesses. And it was in those days with with forums like CompuServe, where you had a handful of people, maybe maybe a dozen, maybe a thousand, but nothing massive like, like Twitter or Facebook, that regulations from Congress came out, and they were kind of exempt. I mean, a little startup company with no money like a CompuServe and a, a, a thousand other billboard sites one little tiny lawsuit, they would have been gone. There was no money. And so they had protection as a forum that they're not liable for what somebody said. And um, if they should have to uh, take off an obscene comment, they wouldn't be considered a publisher because of the kind of forum. I mean, people could post all kind of stuff that shouldn't be there like child pornography, and this way you weren't, you know, you didn't have to worry about being considered a publisher, and you didn't have the liability on a forum. It makes sense in those days. But now you have companies that are worth multiplied billions of dollars and control a tremendous amount of the marketplace. Dial-up is gone. Broadband is here. 
DSL came along, cable, satellite, even our telephones, our smartphones have got incredible speeds of 50 or more megs down per second. And so it's a different world. Back in 1998, only a handful of companies had a website. Today, even the smallest little business needs to have a website to just survive and an email address. 25 years ago, most small businesses had a yellow page ad. The world has changed. And the rules need to change because what we have done is we've empowered these tech giants to become our rulers and tyrants. When they can decide, we don't like what the president just said, and we can delete the tweet. Or we can put up a fake news picture in front because we're the arbitrators of truth. And you must believe our truth or there's something wrong with you. When I get back in a moment, we're going to start talking and there we're going to be continuing this conversation throughout this week and even into the weekend. So what is the alternative? I know a lot of you listen to this program on International Short Wave, but that's not... That's not the most effective way to reach the world. It is a way, one of many, and it's also becoming a rather expensive way. We'll talk about that in a moment. I want to remind you of how to get a hold of me. I've been kind of rambling on here. didn't plan to do that. We are currently at our Georgia address. We kind of divide our time, the beauty of being somewhat retired, between northeast Georgia, a small place in the mountains, and our little home down in Florida. And we'll be here, I think, for a while yet, and at least through November, as it appears right now, maybe even into December. We'll, we'll, we'll know in a week or two. And the address up here is real easy, and we have a little P.O. box you have to add to it. It's just the way they do things up here. 21 Berkshire Lane, 21 Berkshire, B-E-R-K-S-H-I-R-E Lane, and right on that same line, just add 263. Right after that, 263, they'll know what to do. And the city is Sky Valley, two words, Sky Valley. The city is Georgia, and the zip code, 30537. 30537. And don't forget the website, which is truththenumber2ponder.com. Truththenumber2ponder.com. A direct email to me is fine, too. And it comes directly to me, nobody else, Bob, at truth, the number two, ponder.com. If you're listening on shortwave, tell me the time and frequency because it's really important right now. I've got to decide. I mean, I can't, I already know now that I can't maintain every frequency an hour that I've been running. And I'm going to have to make a decision by literally sometime next week on what frequencies stay and which ones are going to have to go. The money's, to, I just can't. I'm not subsidized by anybody. I had a gift to get the program started. I'm retired, and I can only afford to do so much out of my own pocket. So let me know so I can make a wise decision. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. The hidden surprise waiting in the Bible. Shalom Alechem. 
This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. Now, many years ago, a man named Stephen Marsh received a few hundred dollars plus a family Bible bequeathed to him by his aunt in her will. Now, for over 30 years after receiving the Bible, he lived in poverty. Then one day, as an old man, he was cleaning out his attic as he prepared to move to his son's home where he hoped to spend his last years. There in a trunk was the family Bible that his aunt had left him. As he opened it, he discovered banknotes scattered through its pages. He counted $5,000 in cash. So all his life... There was money, there were riches waiting for him to inherit, which he never did, or which he did too late. He lived in poverty while there were riches waiting for him in his own house, in the banknotes, in the Bible. And you know what, friend? So it is with you. You also have a great inheritance waiting. Your inheritance is waiting for you in the Bible. Because in the Bible are not banknotes, but promises of God waiting to be redeemed and applied. In your Bible are treasures of joy and love and abundance and life worth far more than $5,000, worth more than a million, worth more than a billion. And yet so often we live our lives like Stephen Marsh in poverty, in need, begging, in loneliness and weakness and failure and bondage and despair, yet there's no reason for it. You're rich and your inheritance is waiting for you to claim with your name on it inside the pages of God's word. So open up the Bible today, my friend, and don't close it till you find a banknote, a banknote from heaven, the promise of God. And don't rest until you cash them in by receiving them in faith and applying them to your life. Because in reality, you're incredibly rich, but you have to claim your inheritance, which is waiting for you like banknotes in the Bible. Now, if somebody offered you a gift of a million dollars, what would you say? Well, something better than a million dollars, something that'll help give you a strong life and victorious walk in God, a free subscription to Sapphires, Vitamins for Your Spirit, and the incredible Mystery of the Temple Doors, all free. You'll love it. How do you get it? Easy. Just remember Jesus' Hebrew name, Yeshua, and dial it and ask for it. That's it. Just dial 1-800-YESHUA-1. But call now, 1-800-YESHUA-1. Now, the harvest is great. The laborers are few. I invite you to join with me in the harvest. You don't need a plow, just an open heart and a pen. You can reach the unreached peoples of the world. Just call now, 1-800-YESHUA-1. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or write me direct, the nice Jewish boy, at box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. That's the nice Jewish boy, box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. Well, till next time, this is Jonathan Kahn saying, Shalom Aleichem, peace be to you, my friend, and Messiah, Ben Elohim, the Son of God. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome back to part two of the Wednesday edition of Truth to Ponder, and I'm your host, Bob Bierman. In the first segment of the program, I was talking to you about um, the tech tyrants and, and how much control they have taken over your life. I mean, we've given so much of our life, our information, the things about us, I mean, Facebook knows our birthday in most cases, if you gave it to them, even the year at times. They know when your birthday is. They have a list of your friends and contacts. Notice how they suggest friends, and I don't know where the algorithm is because it never makes any sense, of people you ought to invite to some group or some interest you have. They're collecting information 
to sell that information. And I guarantee you, though it's often denied, but it's so easily proven, whether your phone is Android or whether it's a, whether Siri is your assistant. I don't care who hears most of my conversations because a lot of that stuff is just algorithm. There's not somebody sitting in a room with headphones listening to what you're saying on your phone or on your Alexa device or or ask Google, whatever the device is. But let's be honest. Just like so much of our technology that is in the world today, it's not going away and you can't hide from every bit of it. And so if you're if you're searching on Google for something to do with a restaurant or like I did a while back I looked up something about my fireplace here in Georgia. And the next thing I know I'm getting ad after ad after ad popping up on my Facebook feed about fireplace accessories. One time I typed in information about an oil change and every oil change place within 30 miles showed up in my feed. Think about it. Even saying certain things and words and expressions about vacation or whatever, the aggregator, the artificial intelligence, grabs a word or two and attaches it to a client trying to sell you a product. It's just how it works, whether we like it or not. The problem is I can deal with that for the free services that I get from these devices. I'm smart enough to know, you know, not to plot some kind of a conspiracy against the government. I mean, you know, I get it. But you know, what we've really done is we've put and we've invested too much of ourselves in these platforms and we're, we're afraid We're afraid to leave them. This is where the churches in America, and probably for that case in the Western world for the most part, found themselves in a new sandbox they never played in before. All of a sudden, we have a problem. All of a sudden, we cannot go to church. So what do we do? Does your church have an up-to-date web page? Remarkably, many churches have terrible web pages. Some of the more contemporary churches do a halfway decent job because they get somebody that knows what they're doing. I'm going to take I'm going to go down a rabbit hole. Just give me about 30 seconds or, or less. And this has to do with church web pages. If your web page is a wall of text, nobody will read it. Nobody will care. Nobody will read a wall of text and page after page of a of an encyclopedia. They're not going to read it. They want to know who you are, what you do, when do you meet, what's the place look like and what's the dress code. I mean, let's be honest. People are needing just basic information and your wall of text that goes on and people people are not going to spend an hour reading everything you put on your website. And if your website is not mobile friendly, well then 60% of anybody that may have looked at your website will not see it. I'm trying to give you some 
solid advice here for free. If your web page is A, a wall of text, B, not mobile friendly, well, the odds are 90% or more of the people that might have looked at your page are gone within seconds of getting to your page. If somebody can tell real quick that the pictures on the website are not of your church, if you have a small congregation meeting in a rented room and you put up a church that looks like a cathedral on the homepage, they're going to know you're not telling the truth and they will move on. Web pages do not need to be, and I need to really go through some of mine. I've got probably too many pages now on some of mine. It is information to the point with, if you really want more information, click here. And most won't, but you can have it available. But getting back to what I was trying to say about using the tools we have. Most of us wouldn't know how to load a video onto a web page. Most churches can't do that. So what do they do? Facebook Live became the go-to app for many churches. In some cases, in some cases, people used YouTube for the same thing. These are the two companies that dislike Christians the most. And I've had people tell me, you know, I really need to build my Facebook ministry now. I need to really build my my YouTube ministry now. I got news for you. This program I do ends up, the audio track, it ends up on YouTube. And I know there are a handful of people that are still listening. It goes back to when I had your weekend show. I looked for every possible free platform to throw it out there to see which one would work. And there are a few, and it does, like, like I say, it doesn't cost anything, but from time to time, I will discover the audio track of one of my programs is missing because I said something that offended somebody and somebody complains and they mute the track. This is what's going to increasingly happen to churches that become overly dependent. Are you listening? Overly dependent upon the tech tyrants and their platforms. We cannot, we cannot become dependent upon them because they can pull the plug real fast. They can minimize the number of people that can really, really look at your site. I've used the term before. And I want you to stop and think about this for just one moment. I've used the term before, an internet ghetto. When the Germans came into Poland in 1939 and they finally got to Warsaw, they rounded up those that they considered undesirable, including the Jewish people. And they made them leave their homes, pack their bags for their own safety, of course, and they moved them into a less desirable part of town and moved those people out to other places. And then they kind of locked them in there. They were in their own little ghetto within the city. Not to be seen, disturbed, or bothered by what the Germans called the good people. Eventually, 
eventually things changed, but for a time, those people lived in a ghetto out of sight, out of mind. The rest of the city could not see them or deal with them or talk to them or even have any exposure to them. In other words, all the undesirables were put in one little place together. In time, that's what's going to happen to those that tech tyrants decide they don't like. They're going to be gradually put into a Ethernet ghetto where light-minded people that are less desirable to the tech tyrants, the establishment, the elites, the one-world government types, those that think a vaccine can save everything from everybody to whatever, if you have any disagreement with the approved narrative, the science, let me say that again, the science, We listen to the science. People do not listen to the science. Those people need to be shunned and forgotten and put aside. The science always wins. Yeah, the science. Remember the science 50 years ago? The world's going to turn into an iceberg. It's going to freeze up. Global cooling. Ice age is here. Man-made. And if you ever said anything against that narrative, of course, we didn't have all the computer stuff, you were still looked down upon by certain people in the academia world. What do you mean it's going to get warm? Are you crazy? For 50 years, I've heard we only have 10 years left. But that's what the science says. The science has been wrong and guessing for a long time. But you have to believe today's guess or you're not You're not allowed to speak to other decent people. But getting back to getting back to this tech ghetto will eventually be shoved quietly by these algorithms and this artificial intelligence to decide, you know, Bierman there, Bob Bierman, he's one of those crazy Christians who believes that, you know, who doesn't believe that the the virus, the virus, the science says the virus. He doesn't believe that that face masks give you an invisible, invisible shield to protect you from dying from the virus. Stop and think. I saw something. I saw something. I, I, got, I got to share this before I forget. It's too funny not to share. When I was in Virginia last week with a conference of other clergy some friends I hadn't seen in a long time. We we had a dinner reservation at this uh, restaurant. They had a private room. And, of course, we had to, you know, wear our little face mask to get into the restaurant. Then, magically, we can sit down. And I ran across this, and, and I was not going to read it, but I don't know. Maybe sometimes we need a little bit of levity in our lives. Dining out during the coronavirus of 2020. You arrive at a restaurant... And then you got to look for that three-month-old single-use surgical mask that you bought at Walmart, probably sitting in a filthy cup holder, might even be sticky from from that morning Mountain Dew or whatever you had. And then you got to strap it up with a three-month-old single surgical mask, and suddenly it's a magical anti-germ barrier. It's engaged. You can't be of. You're 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 safe now. 
and you proceed into the restaurant, you open the door, touching the same handle grabbed by 200 people or so already today. And the hostess has immediate seating for your your party of three or whatever it is. In our case, party of a lot more. We had the room. And, and you walk past all these people, all these people that are already sitting down that are not wearing a mask, but you've got to wear yours. When you sit down, you're magically seated in this anti-germ, anti-viral force field, which is now engaged. And safely inside this, you're sitting in a restaurant, you take off your mask, you browse your menu, you, you're making relaxed inhales of air from the same recirculated air conditioning that has been inside of the lungs of the other 200 people that have already been there, that it, same ones that grabbed the door handle. And the waitress drops off your water or drinks barehanded. You grab your drink with your bare hands. You sip leisurely, secure in knowing that you're within your germ force field at your table. You know, at some point you need to make a little trip to the facilities. And you, uh, you put your face mask back on as you leave your table to make that trip and now you gotta touch the other door handle and go inside clean up come back and as soon as you get to sit down as soon as you sit down then you can take the mask off again because you're now back in your safe zone meal is complete now you've grabbed bread and everything else you've touched everything same ham yum yum and just you know you just keep on going on and then when the meal completes, you put on your mask, walk past the other unmasked patrons, full body contact with four people at the waiter, when you're paying your bill, and you walk out the door. And you breathe a sigh of relief, knowing that even, even now as you're heading to the protection of your home and venturing out into this scary world, you were essentially sterile thanks to your state-approved method of magical germ mitigation. I mean, think about this for a moment. This is what's going on. I flew in an airliner last week, and I wore I wore a neck gaiter, which you can pull over your face. You can see through it. That's why I could breathe through it. But this is what they demand. I understand what they try to tell you about the occasional cough and this and the droplet. You know, even even Dr. Fauci said it was a dumb idea to wear a mask back in March and April. But suddenly, 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 everything changed on a dime. Everybody's got to wear one. Because the folks... You know, in, in Asia, wear one. Well, they wear one because the air in China is so filthy. Their pollution rate is so vastly high. They wear it to keep the dirt out of their lungs. Dirt is thousands upon thousands of times bigger than a virus. And it barely keeps that out. Do you follow what I'm trying to tell you here? We as, we as people of faith, see, I just spoke against the narrative. And if I tried to explain on Twitter that, you know, it's all this stuff is foolishness, 
The evidence keeps piling up from Sweden and other places that lockdowns did not work. It didn't work here. All we've done is extend the misery and doubtful that we saved anybody's life. Now, I'm telling you something that Facebook finds prohibitive, that Twitter would condemn me for. And it will make, if I put it too plain on the website where it can be read, makes me a target of of Google for getting people to even find the website. Do you follow what's going on here? We as Christians and church people, we can use these things like Facebook, like YouTube, Instagram, whatever. But please do not become dependent upon them. Begin now. And we'll talk about this over the next week or so. We have to begin to make alternate plans of other ways to connect with each other. Because those free tech tyrant sites, you know, if it's free, there's always a catch. We need to use those sites to begin to gently steer people to other locations other sites that are not in the crosshairs of the tech tyrants and the woke crowd of the politically correct. We're going to have to do that. We're going to have to find ways of putting our own videos on our own platforms, our own audio, our own even online radio stations not being dependent any longer. No longer can we be dependent upon the tech tyrants to survive in this world. We just can't do it. Because if we do, we're setting ourselves up to being cut off. Just like Poland, 1939. The ghettos were established. When they got tired of having to secure the ghetto, They told those living in the ghetto to hop on these train cars for your own safety. We're going to take you to a place of safety where people will no longer harm you. That's how they found their way to the gas chamber. Now you're probably saying, Bob, you're you're talking like a crazy guy these last couple of days. No, it's because I've read the scriptures. I can tell what's coming. Some may argue that this is heading toward the time of the Great Tribulation. Maybe, maybe not. But regardless, it will be a time of intense tribulation in our nation. There has been tribulation. There has been terrible things that have occurred to those of of faith since the time that Jesus died on the cross and rose again from the dead and ascended into heaven. There have been many times of tribulation, many times that people have had to give their life for the faith. How many would, how many today, think about this before the time runs out. We have people that are afraid to go to church because they're going to die of the coronavirus. They may never go back. 
how many of the government walked into the church and said, put your mask on or go to jail, would put their mask on? How many, if they were told they can never come back to this building, how many would how many would cease worshiping? And if some government official like what happened in the Soviet Union, China, and other parts of the world, if they were told to renounce their faith in Christ, they can live. If they don't, they die. How many people in American churches today would choose to live and deny Christ? Yeah, that's why we're coming into a time of great tribulation. We have a useless church overall in America. When you have half of so-called Protestant pastors that don't care about issues like life issues and abortion issues, gender issues, marriage issues, they just want to get along. The church is weak. Church is becoming useless. The church is becoming increasingly meaningless. As we get closer to the weekend, I'm going to be talking on Friday and over the weekend when the program goes international about some of the things that we're seeing on a worldwide basis. Tomorrow we'll talk more about what's happening on a more localized basis here in the United States and the Western world. I know there are those that listen by podcast in places like Australia, and I I really appreciate it. I know some are now listening in England, some are now listening in other parts of the world, and I'm just surprised that the program slowly grows. I know it's being listened to on radio, and that's why I need to know. If you listen on shortwave, would you please let me know time and frequency? I don't think I can maintain all the airings that I'm doing Monday through Friday. It just can't be done. And I'm the one that has to bear the cost. So anything you can do to help, you can do that from the website if you'd like. Our mailing address in Georgia right now is 21 Berkshire Lane. My name is Bob. You can just put Bob on there. They'll figure it out. They don't need my last name. Bob at the address 21 Berkshire Lane at number 263. And our home, their little house up here is in Sky Valley, Georgia. Zip code 30537. Once again... Our mailing address here in Georgia is 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263, in Sky Valley, Georgia, 30537. There is so much on my heart and mind, many a project I need to get deeper involved with and make things begin to truly happen, because we truly live in a, in a time that is growing shorter by the day. Tech tyrants have control of your life. It's time that we find our own way in this world. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to Ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.